Well, good evening, everybody. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to church. It's great that you're here, and we just want to say welcome. Hope that you really go away tonight feeling challenged, stretched, encouraged, empowered to live the rest of the week. And uh, if it's your first time tonight, we just really hope that you'll meet with a lot of people and stay for coffee afterwards and and really um, get to know other people. That would be great. Um, Just a few things I want to share with you tonight. Um, Three things. And uh, the first one is about Youth Alive. Um, We're uh, going down, uh, Youth United are going down next week. Um, No, actually it's on the... 18th of August and we're going down in buses and you need to actually get that uh, organised by this Friday night. So you need to see Phil and have it all organised by this Friday night if you're going down. So don't delay, that's the cut-off time and it's going to be a, a great day. It looks like it's a full day down at Rod Laver Arena. So please get on to that tonight. Phil's got all these details, you can catch him afterwards and um, make sure you're getting on to that by Friday. I also want to let you know that next Saturday is a great opportunity for you uh, women here, whoever you are. There's an opportunity just to get some great advice and help on how you can just take who you are and how you look and improve it cheaply and effectively. Match, right? Mandy always tells me what I should wear and how I should match. Um, and so I'm sending her along so she'll be, have more advice for me. But it's just a way, a practical ways where you can help to really look good cheaply. And uh, this is a, a lady called Sandra Martins coming along. And this is a great opportunity for you to bring some friends. It's going to be non-threatening. It's going to be just a, a great time to meet other, other women and bring them along. And the great thing is through, throughout, throughout the day, there's going to be a talk about how you know, God doesn't look on the outside appearance. He looks on the heart and how that's the most important thing. So if you're available next Saturday, 9 until 3 p.m., and you can get stuff at the information desk tonight as well and find out more about that. Uh, We want to let you know this Thursday night, Make It Count, Kevin Rudd and John Howard are going to be speaking in this church via webcast, and it'll be live from Canberra. They're going to be addressing Christian leaders, and they're going to want to be talking to you so that you can hear as a Christian and you can decide who you want to vote for at the upcoming election if you want to vote for one of these two guys. Um, And and so it'll be a great time to show that you really care about what happens in our country. It'll be times throughout the night where we'll be praying for our country and it'll be a great time because our church is hosting it for other churches in the region. So if you can come, young people, uh, you know, make your voice heard too. It's great to come and pray. Um, it's been great just coming together this morning, our first morning service at 10am. And just a reminder, that's what it is from now on. We've moved from 9 and 11 to 10. Well, as we come together tonight, we've been singing some great songs, beautiful one I adore. You know, we've been saying, God, my hope is in you. And I just think, you know, today when there's, uh, you know, you turn on the TV and there's just so much loss of life. You meet people and people's events often seem overwhelming and tragic and you think about uh, the world, you can get a bit overwhelmed. But, you know, I'm reminded of Paul in Philippians who said in the midst of facing his imminent death, he said, you know, uh, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. 
And I just was thinking tonight as we're worshiping God, no matter what your circumstance, to get to know Him more, to depend on Him more, to surrender your life to Him more, is always great, no matter how difficult your circumstances are. So as we're about to continue to worship Him, and we're about to hear what God has to say to us from His Word tonight, why don't we just acknowledge that we want to get to know Christ more tonight, that we want to acknowledge that He's our Lord and that life is not about just going without any difficulties in our life, but in the midst of it, surrendering to Him. Let's pray together, shall we? God, we're here tonight, your people, at your church. And some of us are facing uncertain futures. Some of us are really worried about things and challenges in our life. God, some of us are really concerned about uh, our world and things that we watch on TV and, and see happening. And God, our hearts can get unsettled. And we can forget that well, no matter what we're facing, no matter what lies ahead, that living for you and surrendering for you to you and helping take your message to other people is a thing that really matters in this life. So we just want to pause tonight, God, your people, and say our lives are surrendered to you. For us to live is you, Lord Jesus, and to die is gain because we'll go to be with you. And God, tonight, if you just want to speak to us, uh, we know one day we're going to be face to face with you. But we just want to say, God, tonight, we just want to do whatever you're asking us to do. We want to say yes to whatever you say to us. We want to worship you. We want to hear from you. We surrender to you, God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's continue to worship. Please. Oh, well, let's pray. Uh, Father God, um, yeah, in the presence of your majesty, in the presence of your kingship, um, we are. And, um, and we just long to know more of you. Uh, we long to see a greater depth of you. Um, Father, that we would be more and more overwhelmed by how great and awesome you are, but also your great love for us. Thank you so much. And we ask now that um, as we come to um, look into your word, the Bible, we just pray that you would um, soften our hearts and our minds and give us um, ears to really listen, um, Lord Jesus. We want to hear what you have to teach us tonight. And uh, Father, that you use even a person to do that is amazing, Father. Teach us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, how good is it to be a part of a, of a Christian community? Um, have you ever been on a camp, you know, a Christian camp, where it's just been like really, really, really awesome? You know, on the whole, spending time who are encouraging to you, um, who you feel like you can just be yourself with. You, know, you don't have to kind of like uh, maintain image or anything like that. You know, you're praising God together, you're reading the, the Word together, you're praying together. It's like the, the love factor seems to go up. Um, and you feel like um, that you're really more and more in the presence of God. And you're kind of, um, in, in, in what He is doing, you're kind of there. And uh, you might even feel this on a Sunday night. 
um, you know, this sense of Christian community, you know, as you're hanging out with um, other believers, um, as uh, you're having lots of fun, worshipping God, you know, pity about the preaching, but the people here are great, you know, that kind of makes up for it, you know, the vibe, you know, I, I love it, this, this Christian community that we, that we share here. Sometimes I get so excited I want to wrestle people. It's a bit weird. Does anyone do that or not? Get excited. I love it. Love some of you guys. I won't do that to the, to the ladies. You don't get it anyway. I don't think <laughs> why we as men do that. Anyway, Christian community. The closer um, and deeper you get, the better and more awesome it is. And then you go out there. You know, you kind of, Monday hits, you go into the world and it's different. You know, we know we're um, supposed to live out there in the world, but it's just so hard. We're supposed to shine this love in a dark world, but it's so challenging. Do you feel the challenge? Do you feel that? You know, hit Monday and it's just like, yep, this is hard work. Do you want to get over the challenge though? Do you actually want to go into Monday getting over that challenge and, and living more, shining more the, the love of God where you live? Do you want to do that? Despite what um, we may think at times, despite what others may say to us at times, we are not on the losing side. In fact, we're destined to overcome with Jesus. Do you want to shine more? Do you want to shine more? If you want to, God tonight is uh, beckoning you to take another look, to take a good, long, thoughtful look at who God is. God is saying, Dig a little deeper. Spend some time trying to understand who he is. Take a look at, another look at God's character. Take another look and let it permeate to the core of who you are as a person. I reckon in it there's this, there's a secret for overcoming and, and living more for Jesus in this world. We know it's tough out there. Um, so if you have your Bibles, um, what we're going to read through tonight is um, from the book of Exodus, chapter 4. And um, yeah, so book of Exodus, chapter 4, verses 18 to 31. We've been looking at Exodus. We're kind of doing about seven or so messages on it. It's great stuff to learn. Exodus 4, 18 to 31. Then Moses um, went back to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, Let me go back to my own people in Egypt to see if any of them are still alive. Jethro said, Go on, I wish you well. Now the Lord had said to Moses in Midian, Go back to Egypt, for all the men who wanted to kill you are now dead. So Moses took his wife and sons, put them on a donkey, and started back to Egypt. 
And he took the staff of God in his hand. The Lord said to Moses, When you return to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders I have given you the power to do. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Then say to Pharaoh, This is what the Lord says. Israel is my firstborn son, and I told you, let my son go, so he may worship me. But you refuse to let him go, so I will kill your firstborn. At a lodging place on the way, the Lord met Moses and was about to kill him. But Zipporah took a flint knife, cut off her son's foreskin, and touched Moses' feet with it. Surely you are a bridegroom of blood to me, she said. So the Lord let him alone. At that time she said, bridegroom of blood, referring to circumcision. The Lord said to Aaron, go into the desert to meet Moses. So he met Moses at the mountain of God and kissed him. Then Moses told Aaron everything the Lord had sent him to say and also about the miraculous signs he had commanded him to perform. Moses and Aaron brought together all the elders of the Israelites, and Aaron told them everything the Lord had said to Moses. He also performed the signs before the people, and they believed. And when they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshipped. It's a great passage. Let me just first say... We're not going to really dig too deep into that circumcision part there. But uh, there's some great truth in it, even though on first casual reading, it's like, what is going on there? But um, if you want to ask me after the service, uh, I can share. Well, a bit of context for the passage before uh, we begin. God has um, heard the, the cries of his people Israel. And so Israel have been, become the slave workforce in the land of Egypt. And God has heard their cries and he has chosen a man um, called Moses to be the one he's going to use to bring the people out of uh, the Egyptian slavery. It's God's rescue plan, if you're right, if you like. Um, and Moses has responded enthusiastically to this, um, the notion that God is going to use him to kind of save the Israelites with the equivalent of what the, and kind of don't use me. Um, but God has been reassuring Moses that he is a God who is able and he will do it. Moses objects, he objects, and he objects a little more. But God continues to reassure Moses um, that it will be all right and that he'll provide the way. The conclusion to the conversation is, Moses, you're going. So tonight's passage uh, uh, is like sits between the time Moses has been told to go and talk to Egypt, and it includes his travel time and the relating to the people, the people of Israel, and to the elders. And he doesn't get to Pharaoh yet, but this is the time between going to speak to uh, leaving Midian and going to speak to to Pharaoh. It's what happens in the travel time, if you like, and it's in this passage that we learn of the key character trait of God. And I reckon if we um, really seek to understand this character trait, um, it should change the perception that we have. It will change the way we view things when we seek to shine Christ's love in this world. I don't think it's... I mean, it seems hard, the challenge to shine, and it is hard, 
But I reckon this character trait can help us. And Mason preempted it beautifully. Where are you, brother? Down there. Providence. God's providence is a character trait we learn. What is providence? It's God's unceasing activity in directing everything to its appointed goal for his glory. I'll say that again. God's providence is it's his unceasing activity in directing everything to its appointed goal for his glory. And in the short passage before us, God demonstrates his providence over and over again as he directs this particular event to its appointed goal for his glory. So let's take a look at it. I mean, the odds are are stacked against Moses right here. The task, humanly speaking, is impossible. Look at the number of ways that God is active, the way that God overcomes these odds to achieve what he wants to do. So here we are, the passage begins with Moses. He's seeking permission from his father Jethro, cool name for a son, um, in Midian. If he can go back um, to his people and permission is granted, loads up his family on the, on the camel, I believe. Was it a camel? Donkey? Big dog? Something like that, right? So it loads them up and he heads back to, to Egypt. God, firstly, providing the way back, providentially making the way. In verse 19, the Lord says to Moses, Go back to Egypt, for all the men who wanted to kill you are dead. So if um, you have any understanding or you've read the story before, years before Moses has needed to flee Egypt because people were trying to kill him because he killed an Egyptian. But now God has... Uh, made the time right so that he can go back and those people are no longer there. So God is like clearing out um, the enemies of Moses. The provision of God. God providentially working to make Moses able to go back without getting killed. And you continue to go through the passage, we hear the Lord Yahweh speaking with Moses. As the Lord gives Moses a preview, he says, this is what's going to happen, Moses. A little bit more encouragement. You're going to get there. This is what's going to happen. Now, the logical thinking for Moses is, I know what's going to happen. I know what's going to happen. I'm not even going to be able to have a meeting with Pharaoh and let alone have Pharaoh say, oh, yeah, no worries, Moses. Yeah, yeah, just go. Take our workforce and leave. Not going to happen. But it's not true. God sees what is going to happen. He's working towards making sure this does happen. So have a look at from verse 21, the preview. The Lord said to Moses, When you return to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders I have given you the power to do. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Then say to Pharaoh, This is what the Lord says, Israel is my firstborn son. And I told you, let my, people, let my son go, so he may worship me. But you refuse to let him go, so I will kill your firstborn son. Now Moses, he has a, a definite role um, to which he must rise to in this situation. But see how the Lord is providentially working out what's going to happen. He's got a purpose. God's just got a purpose, and he is going to make sure that it happens. 
And again, as we continue to read, providence is demonstrated again. Um, in verse 27, we, we heard before um, last week how God was saying, hey, because you can't speak, Moses, because that's your excuse, I'll provide you with someone who can speak. I'll provide you with Aaron to speak on your behalf. And here we now have God's promise being fulfilled. So in verse 27, the Lord said to Aaron, so intervening into the situation, go into the desert to meet Moses. So he met Moses at the mountain of God and kissed him. Then Moses told Aaron everything the Lord had sent to him and also about all the miraculous signs he commanded him to perform. You see how it's all coming together. It's all coming together because God is making it happen. Overcoming the odds that any human would see as a reason to disengage, as a reason to not do what they're being told to do. Now the final um, providential act we see God achieve is the way the Israelites in Egypt respond to Moses and the sign that the signs that God has enabled him to perform. So remember that the odds are stacked against Moses. Moses is not in the inner circle of um, Israelite CEOs or directors or general managers. He's been in an exile in Midian for a long time. And there are not just a few people that he needs to convince that he's been sent from God. We heard back in chapter 1 that the Israelites had grown to like to the proportion of filling the earth. This is a large group of people. Yet this, despite the obvious odds, from verse 29 happens. Moses and Aaron um, brought together all the elders of the Israelites and Aaron told them everything the Lord had said to Moses. He also performed the signs before the people and they believed. And when they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, They bowed down and worshipped. God again, you see. God again demonstrating his providence. He said this was going to happen despite the odds, and it did. So back in chapter 3, verse 18, the Lord says, the elders of Israel will listen to you. And it happens. So God's activity in this passage is everywhere. It's quite amazing. God making a way for Moses to go back to Egypt. God ensuring that Moses no longer has enemies. God providing a preview to Moses of what was going to happen. God providing Aaron like he said he was going to do. God ensuring the elders of Israel and the people um, responded favourably to Moses and Aaron. What were impossible odds for Moses uh, in Moses' eyes has become totally Achievable with God. We need to understand this providence deeply. It's totally achievable because the all-powerful God, the sovereign God of the universe, is actively working to make sure his purposes are achieved. God is God. And he will work his purposes out. No matter what. I wonder if we really get that. The complete providence of God. Nothing, nothing is going to prevent him 
from doing what he wants to do, from achieving his purpose. We need to get this, people. We need to get this because this is the place for freedom. Now, it's got a a lot of amazing relevance and application to our lives. Um, So much application, I'm just going to chat about a few. The first thing is, if God's going to achieve this purpose, we need to understand what this purpose is. What is God's purpose? What is the purpose we can be completely, totally sure that he is going to achieve? Uh, Back in Genesis 12, 1-3, before Moses was even a glint in his mother's eye, God made a promise to a guy called Abraham. And the promise to Abraham was that he was gonna, God was going to make a people out of Abraham. He was going to make a massive people. And in time, this people was going to be a blessing to all the earth. It was going to be the way that the whole earth could enjoy being in relationship with God and being part of the people of God. The nation flowing from Abraham, from that promise, grew to become Israel. So Israel, um, the same people, the same group of people that Pharaoh was now pressing. So here we have Pharaoh in direct opposition to God. God's purpose will not be thwarted by a mere human king. He has a purpose of making a people for himself, to uh, make a nation out of Israel to be a blessing to all the peoples on the earth. And here he acts to ensure the direction, the purpose is maintained. Today, this purpose is exactly the same. Making a people for himself, it's the same purpose. If you read through God's word, you'll come across a lot of promises of God, a lot of things that he's going to do. So if you were to look in Acts 2, in the time of Pentecost, here we have the promise of salvation. The promise to people that if you repent and you put your trust in me, then I will forgive you and I'll give you my spirit to help you live. There's a promise from God. And in Romans 8, from 38 to 39, there's another promise. And the promise is that nothing can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. There's another promise. There are so many amazing promises for us to grab hold of. And each of these, God is actively working to make sure will happen. And nothing will stop it from happening. And if we look really hard, what becomes clear is that this is all part of God's wider plan of building a people for himself. A people or a great nation or a kingdom, if you like, that began with Abraham. A people that lives with the daily reality that they are in relationship with God. A people that choose to love God and live for him. A people that love each other and serve each other in deep relationship. The difference in the time of Moses was that it was just for the people of Israel. But now that promise back in Genesis 12 is being fulfilled, that the Israelites will be a blessing to all people, and we are a part now of that blessing. Now God's purpose um, is announced by Jesus at the very beginning of his ministry. So in Mark 1.15 it says, Jesus said himself, The time has come 
The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe in the good news. See, the kingdom is near. The people of God is near. So we need to be aware and know deeply that God is providentially working actively to achieve this purpose. This is his wider, big purpose, to make a people for himself. Nothing's going to stop God from making a people for himself. Nothing. Human frailty will not hold God back. Books written as an attack on God, like the God delusion, is not going to hold God back from achieving his purpose. We need to understand what God's desire is on this earth, that he is making a people for himself. That's the first thing. Understand the purpose. It's not that you would have a Ferrari or whatever. This purpose, knowing it, leads to the second application. Trust in God and be confident that he will achieve this purpose. Trust in God and be confident. I'd like to ask you a question. What's your view of the God you believe in? What's your view of the God you believe in? Is God, in your view, big, amazing, all-powerful, patiently working his purposes out, enabling people to become his children? Is that it? Or is he not? Is he more powerless? Is he disinterested in you? Is he powers to affect change in your life? Is he irrelevant to the people on the street, to the people at your workplace, to the people at your university? Is he irrelevant to those people at Dreamworld in the Big Brother household? What's your view of the God you believe in? Here's a little test to see what your view is. Have a look at your actions. Take a look at how you behave. Your actions will show you what your view of God is. For example, have a look at Moses. Last week, um, God calls Moses to be the one he uses to bring the Israelites out of the land of Egypt. And Moses initially says no, throws up all the excuses because he believes it's just not going to work. Now, that, there are his actions. And they tell us something about how he views God. It appears that Moses views God as being smaller, less powerful, less able than who God really is. Now, I'm sure we can learn a lot by having a look at the things we do and the things we don't do. So, do you or do you not share your faith? What does that tell you about your view of God? Here's another one. Do you pray regularly when life is challenging and when life is good? What does that tell you about your view of God? So what are your actions? Does God answer prayer? I wonder what your view is there. Do you read the word of God regularly and desire to base your life on it? What does that tell you about your view of God? Does he speak through the Bible? 
May I suggest that if your actions reveal to you that you have a small view of God, then God is challenging you to see him for who he really is and then put your trust in that God, not in that small one you've made him out to be. Now, this may well involve crying out to God in humility. God, show me who you really are. Show me who you really are. Explode my perception of you. Help me believe in who you really are, not the one I limit you to. We will gain great freedom in living for God when we realise afresh how amazing God really is and then put our trust in that God. For example, let's say you work or study in an environment that's just plain hard with people who antagonise you and put down God. From every angle, it would appear that these people will never come to faith in Jesus Christ. They'll never find forgiveness and live for him because they're just so not in that place to even go near God. Now, it's a tough gig, right? It's a tough gig living out there in the workforce or at uni amongst people that don't like God. But it's not a place we should despair in. It's not a place we should despair in if we're trusting in the God who is providentially working his purposes out. God is powerful. God is merciful and he can raise any spiritually dead person to life. Even a person we've written off. As believers, we need to have our trust in this God who is providentially working out his purposes. And we can be totally confident that nothing is going to hold God back. So the second application relating to God's providence is trust in God. Trust in God, not the smaller view we might have made him out to be, and be confident that he will achieve his purpose. The third and final application. God chooses to actively work toward achieving his goal through you and I. So those who respond to Jesus in repentance, have faith, in repentance and faith have been called by God to join his mission. So when you look in the mirror this morning, or when you looked in the mirror, and now some of you do this more than others, and some of you just looking out there need to do it a little bit more, that's a joke, you're all lovely. I don't care what you look like. Although you could go Saturday morning if you're a chick and whatever. Anyway, um, when you looked in the mirror this morning, you're looking at a person who God wants to use to make a people for himself. The person sitting next to you tonight is also the person God is choosing to use if they believe in Jesus. People who put their trust in Jesus Christ join the people of God, praise God, and then they share the same purpose that God pursues to help other people join the people of God. Now, the fact that God chooses to actively work toward achieving his goal through people like you and I encourages me in a couple of ways. 
Firstly, what an honour. What an honour. Can you believe that? That God is using us. That he's chosen us and given us the role. Do you feel honoured? And it doesn't matter who you are, whether you've begun, just begun living for Jesus or whether you've been doing it for years. It doesn't matter if you've done the most sinful thing the world can allow you to do. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're a girl or a guy, a brunette, a redhead or a blonde. blonde yeah, blonde. Gee, I'm being a bit harsh tonight. That was another joke. <laughs> if you've responded to the grace of God and you've received forgiveness through putting your trust in Jesus, you're chosen for the role. Listen to uh, this from 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And the end of verse 19, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. What an honour. A new creation in Christ. Good news, hey, for all of us who feel like the dirt of the world. Forgiveness when you trust that Jesus died for your sin. And then we're made ambassadors for Christ. Do you ever wonder what it's like to be an ambassador? Like representing um, your country, you know, placed in another country. Ever wonder what that's like? Well, wonder no more. Because you are one. Representing God's kingdom. Showing people the way home. What a complete honour. You know, the world has nothing more significant, nothing, no cause more noble than to represent God. To show people the way home. And Jesus says, be a humble servant as you do it. It's an honour. That's the first thing I'm encouraged with. I hope you feel encouraged. The second thing we can be encouraged to do is to expect results. I'm encouraged to expect results, not because I'm like ace or like we shouldn't be expecting it because we're awesome or so charismatic, but because God chooses to use us. Um, In Papua New Guinea, they have a really common saying, and they say, Papua New Guinea, PNG, is the land of the unexpected. PNG, the land of the unexpected. And this is true. Every day um, you live in PNG, something unexpected, something out of the ordinary, something completely random happens during the day. So you could be uh, travelling along the coast by boat, you know, going from point A to Z, and all of a sudden you're fishing for tuna. And you're reeling in tuna into the boat for dinner and stuff. It's kind of a random event. Or you could be driving down the highway like I was one time, and we had to stop because there was like a four-metre-long python, like that diameter, kind of on the road. It doesn't happen here in Wodonga. If it did, I'd be squealing like, like a scared person. <laughs> anyway. 
But it's kind of like um, PNG is so much the land of the unexpected that you just come to expect the unexpected. It's kind of a great irony. You know, land of the unexpected world, but it just becomes expected that these things are going to happen. Now, the challenge for us, for those of us who um, trust God, is to actually expect God to bring to faith the people around us. We should expect that. Be positive people because God is acting. God is in the business of transforming, of changing, of redeeming, of making the spiritually dead alive. At the split second, you realise, let's say you're out this week and you're um, asking God for opportunity or you're seeking to be the Christian. At the split second, you realise God is prompting you to say something about your faith in Christ. Remind yourself that God could be using you to bring this person to faith, to join his people. So in Isaiah 55, 10 to 11, it's really encouraging words. It says, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty. And hear this, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. This is talking about God speaking his word, we are ambassadors of Christ. We speak God's word. The words we speak for God will not return to God empty. They will achieve their purpose. We can expect results when we live and speak the gospel in the world. Let's not be scared anymore or be convinced that it's too hard. The providence of God actively working to achieve his purpose Using us, that is inspirational. Let me conclude. I don't know about you, but for myself, um, I reckon it's a hard thing to kind of daily live, shine the love of God to people in this world. I reckon it's really, really hard. Um, And I have good days and bad days, you know, where I do it quite well and other days where I struggle. But um, God said he's choosing to use us to build his people to help people find life in Jesus' name. And he wants to use you. He really does. Um, let me tell you about uh, a young lady called Hannah Christie. And it's inspiring to see how God and his providence uses every one of us, including Hannah. And um, she's in year nine, lives in Beechworth, um, sitting in, I don't know what row you're in, you're here somewhere. Anyway, she's great. Um, and it's a testimony of what God can do through us. She has um, five or so friends that regularly she invites and they come to youth group on a Friday night. And she just loves them and she just um, really uh, lives her faith in their presence. They're all from non-church families and they all come to Youth United and it's like their home. And um, she lives her faith and I'm sure that, um, that she feels like she struggles and doesn't do it that well. But these guys are hearing about Jesus. And now a good friend of hers, Anne, has given her life to Jesus. She's here as well tonight, which is just testimony to what God does in his providence through us. What an encouragement. God in his providence, 
making a people for himself. And he's called us to be ambassadors, to be the ones he, who he does the work through. Let's put our trust in this powerful, providential God and live for this purpose, expecting that there'll be those around us who come to faith in Jesus' name. God says he's doing it. He's going to do it. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we, um, we just long for a new glimpse of you. We don't want to have you in a box. We don't want to limit who you are. Lord, would you show us this week, would you show us even now how amazing you are, God, in your providence and how you are in your sovereignty, in your power, working out your purposes. Lord Jesus, help us know that a little bit deeper. Help us put our trust in you and live victoriously knowing that you are doing your thing. And praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, just reflect on that and uh, fill in those blue cards and say, God, what have you been speaking to me about? Let's do that now.